Dr. Dan Guerra here. It is the 17th February 2022, and it's authentic biochemistry. <clears throat> We're doing, hopefully, indeed, the last fatty acid lecture in this little series that we've been doing. Um, last time we discussed the steroid desaturase and its association with ferritosis, uh, when it's inhibited, that is, and how that could be a therapy for certain kinds of cancer. So I'm just going to pick right up on that thread and continue. I told you last time, high levels of expression of the steroid desaturase isoform 1 in ovarian cancer cells suggested uh, that it's possible that that protein plays a role in um, those cells. It's one of the observations you make, right? <clears throat> they tested that hypothesis because they inhibited the steroid desaturase 1. I'm just going to call it SCD1. They used a couple of inhibitors, chemical inhibitors, that are distinct for that particular enzymatic activity. So they're rather precise. They're not crude. Um, general um, inhibitors of desaturase enzymes. So they treated these ovary carcinoma cells. Remember now, these they, they did those cells, and they also did some serous carcinoma cells both of which are ovarian cancer. And they created some ovarian cancer stem cells by doing a pluripotent stem cell induction. So after they did this um, transformation of epithelial cells, they let them um, organize into three or four different cell lineages. And they compare the cell lineages moving simply from um, stage one of a stem cell morphology all the way to the final morphology, which represents essentially a mesenchymal style lineage, which can then progress directly into metastasizing uh, cancer cells. <clears throat> so they looked at viability and they found that you could provide cell, these cells with oleic acid. Uh, after the inhibition of the um, SCD1, using those inhibitors, they found they could kill those cells, but they could bring them back if they gave them oleic acid. Of course, that's an end product of uh, the reaction. So consistent with the higher levels of, of the SCD1 in these FTT cells, the, again, remember these are um, stem cells that have been transformed with a cocktail of genes which will get them to progress towards mesenchymal lineages, get them to increase the stemness of their uh, morphology and phenotype. They're called FTT cells, FTT cells. And it was discovered that those cells in their final stage of induced pluripotency towards the mesenchymal lineage, which he told you is right before metastasis in this particular cell population and culture, that those are the most sensitive to SCD1 inhibition. And that cell death was indeed in, reduced by treatment of an inhibitor of ferritosis. It's called FER1. And that, of course, suggested that the specific reduction of SCD1 activity induced cell death by triggering ferritosis. At least that's one of the parameters that obviously was there because you could treat with uh, FER1 and inhibit ferritosis and prevent the whole process. Now, Consistent with all that, as if you treat with the SCD1 inhibitor, 
you also get lipid peroxidation. Lipid peroxidation of the membrane lipids is very phenotypically characteristic of ferritosis. Remember, ferritosis is associated with the release of iron, or at least the ability for iron to go through two oxidation states, ferrous and ferric, and in so doing, induce multiple lineages of reactive oxygen, including, of course, superoxide, superox uh, and also hydroxyl anion, and then ultimately getting partially reduced H2O2 and all the way to water. So iron then can generate a pulse of reactive oxygen. And when it does so, this is what induces ferrotosis. Ferrotosis is a specific kind, programmed cell death, which again triggers a hyperimmune response. Now, when they inhibited the SCD in cell lineage that were known to be uh, frank ovarian cancer cells, and they used an siRNA, so this would be a small interfering <laughs> RNA directed towards the SCD1 transcript. They measured the effects in cell viability, and they also measured the level of knockdown of the SCD1, the level of protein and transcript. And they saw that indeed the cell viability was reduced. And this occurred in these COV362 ovarian cancer cells, as well as in the ovarian cancer stem cells that we just talked about. So the viability can be restored in any of those cell lineages, either by adding oleic acid or the inhibitor of ferroptosis called FAIR1. That confirms a couple of things. First of all, it's SCD1 prevents ferrotonic cell death, and that ferrotonic cell death is linked to the activity of a stereocoid desaturase 1. Both of those are really important. So cell death is triggered by exposure to um, a ferritosis inducer, that's called RSL3, and you can rescue that if you supplement the cells with palmitoleic or oleic acid. Another good experiment, right? It finishes off the hypothetical deduction that, trigger, that triggers um, the hypothesis that SCD1 is directly linked to ferritosis, the mechanism they're going to work on soon here. So if you rescue and it was specific with monounsaturated fatty acids, and it cannot be recapitulated with pulmonic or steric acid, tells you that the reaction has to proceed, right? You have to make the products, the monounsaturated fatty acids. And in fact, what was interesting to them, when they added saturated fatty acids to culture, it was also toxic to these ovarian cancer cells and to these stem cells. Now, there's a reason for that. You remember that saturated fatty acids will cause membrane disruption as part of the lipotoxicity lectures I was giving uh, last week. Uh, but also remember the saturated fatty acids can be picked up and they can be added as amid linkages to ceramide, the sphingolipid ceramide. I want you to remember that because we're going to get to it later. Um, okay, so that's basically what I wanted to say. The other thing is that when you use an inhibitor of apoptosis, it does not cause a cell death as linked before you added the monounsaturated fatty acids. You had to inhibit ferritosis, not apoptosis. So ferritosis is what is apparently directly linked to serocoidesaturase activity. So indeed, the blockade of SCD1 
induces apoptosis. It will cause that. So they treated the cells with a combination of an SCD inhibitor and with an apoptosis inhibitor or with a ferritosis inhibitor. What they saw was a decrease in cell viability caused by the inhibition of a steroid desaturase one was partially rescued by either inhibiting apoptosis or ferritosis. So it looks like both are involved and you'll see why in a minute. But they also looked just at necrosis. Now necrosis is not a programmed cell death. It's basically just tissue degeneration, okay? And tissue degeneration was not linked to the steroid desaturase uh, ferritosis or apoptosis pathways, which makes sense because those are unique PCDs. Necrosis is not a PCD. So they measured the caspase activation. That's an apoptosis marker. And they followed the inhibition of SCD1. They also used storosporine, which induces apoptosis. And that was a positive control. And the inhibition of SCD1 increased caspase activity. And that, of course, is consistent with an induction of the classical apoptotic pathway. Okay. Now, they further combined treatment with various inhibitors, both the apoptotic and the ferritosis inhibitors. And that, when they do that, that will completely block any type of cell death. And that indicated to these researchers that ferritosis and apoptosis are really the only forms of death that are linked to the inhibition of a steroid desaturase. So they focused on lipid metabolism finally. And they wanted to look at lipids that are linked to both apoptosis and ferritosis. So ceramides, of course, are apoptotic signals uh, from the canonical apoptotic pathway, <clears throat> whereas oxidized polyunsaturated fatty acids, like peroxy fatty acids, are known to mediate ferritosis. Now that's because ferritosis is linked to the production of reactive oxygen. And reactive oxygen will auto-oxidize or peroxidize in situ fatty acids and membranes. And that triggers ferritosis. So you see there's a link between iron, reactive oxygen, and then peroxidative fatty acids, and then ferritosis. And that, of course, is a linear pathway. So they probe change in lipid composition after SCD1 blockade by analyzing fatty acid methyl esters. It's a common way to do you volatilize fatty acids. You run them on either a GC, which is de de degradative, or more importantly, you use a, um, an LC, either an ultra performance or a high pressure liquid chromatograph. It doesn't really matter which kind, as long as you can separate uh, the fatty acids. And then you link the, uh, the uh, mass spec basically as a detector. So this is LC mass spec. And they did a global untargeted lipidomic analysis of all the major lipid classes. And what they confirmed was the perturbation, the alteration of SCD1 activity did have a downstream consequence of fatty acid decomposition. And what do you think it is? You know that the steroid desaturase 1 brings double bonds at the delta 9 position. So if you look at ratios of palmitate to palmitolate, or sterate and uh, oleate, you should see an increase in those ratios when you inhibit SCD. It's going to increase the amount of palmitate because you're not making palmitoleic acid because that's the product. And you're going to increase the amount of steric acid as opposed to oleic acid in the denominator 
because you can't synthesize oleic acid because you inhibited the SCD1. Indeed, that's what they found. So the inhibition of the reaction is expected to decrease the ratio of monounsaturated saturated, and that's what they discovered. And it did a pretty good job. It was a pretty um, oh, a typical knockdown, about 50%. Uh, between 40 and 50% uh, of the ratio was knocked down from the inhibition. And that's a, kind of what you would expect because you're going you're gonna to have um, a, not a 100% efficiency using these inhibitors, right? And plus this is mitro work. So they distinguished the roles of SCD1 between apoptosis and ferritosis. And the way they did that is they did a knockdown of overall lipid composition using, again, an untargeted lipidomic analysis. And they compared it to relative levels of, they say, 1,700 individual lipid species. Now, I didn't see all that data. It may have been in the supplementary data, but I didn't look at that really thoroughly. But it didn't, I, don't, I didn't see all 1,700 lipid species. But we'll take their word for it. But the lipid classes they looked at were phospholipids, ceramides, which, of course, are sphingolipids, free fatty acids, triisoglycerol. <clears throat> and they look at the cells that are treated or not treated with specific inhibitors of sterocardi saturates. And they found, consistent with that initial fatty acid methyl ester analysis, the ratio of saturated fatty acid over monounsaturated fatty acids always increased. And it was increased in all those lipid classes when you knocked down or inhibited <clears throat> sterocardi saturates one. Now, among the lipids that increased with, with SCD1 inhibition, that is, they were, they were positively associated with SCD-mediated cell death, were the ceramides. Now, we know ceramides are directly linked, particularly when they have saturated fatty acids in the amide linkage, to canonical programmed cell death in the form of apoptosis. Indeed, they are. An increase in long-chain saturated ceramide levels is always linked to apoptosis this is how it works with the mitochondrial membrane-mediated response that we've talked a great deal about in authentic biochemistry. They also observed a decrease in membrane phospholipids with unsaturated fatty acids, and that is also linked to apoptosis in cells deprived of, of course, the sterocoidesaturase 1. Now, that would be, again, monoenoic fatty acids, not the polyunsaturated, which we'll get to in a minute. Anyways, all those results just further uh, hone down the fact that sterocardiosaturase 1 mediates its effects on ceramides and ultimately also on phospholipids. And all those fatty acids then lead to, obviously, an apoptotic cell death. And this was discovered in the ovarian cancer cells that were depleted or knocked down of sterocardiosaturase 1. So the ferritotic cell death is of course linked to polyunsaturated fatty acid oxidation. So when you oxidize polyunsaturated fatty acids, you often make hydroperoxy fatty acids in situ in the membrane. And so they were looking at a particular membrane lipid, phosphatidylethanolamine, because that's often linked to ferritosis because it has a lot of arachidonate, 20 colon 4, and adrenic, 22 colon 4 fatty acids. They're both very much in polysaturated fatty acids. They said, okay, does arachidonic acid, adrenic acid change when you inhibit SCD1? They didn't see any increase in either arachidonate, and they found no adrenic acid at all, actually, in the membranes. It's not surprising because it's an essential fatty acid dead end. Um... They did see a little bit of arachidonyl uh, adrenoyl, the sterified P2 
PE, okay, change, but very little. In fact, arachidonide and arachidonic acid-containing lipids after inhibiting with SCD1 basically didn't change at all, or they might have decreased very little, as I just pointed out. Now, they say get to has to do with oxidative destruction of the species during ferritosis of those lipid species. That's not the case. It's more likely that the reason that you get a slight decrease, even in the polyunsaturated fatty acids, is because you're inhibiting membrane-associated desaturation phenomena and, and or complex lipid synthesis. Complex lipid synthesis is often associated with the mitochondria, the ER, the Golgi, and of course, the plasma membrane. So that's the answer. That's why they see that slight change, but it's not significant. Then they looked at the downregulation of uh, the steroid saturase, and they wanted to know if when it induced ferritosis, that it might have had an effect on what they're calling cytoprotective lipids. Now, this is a funny term. They're suggesting that coenzyme Q10, which is a prenal lipid from the mevalonic acid pathway, is an antioxidant. Of course, it can be used as an antioxidant uh, dietarily, but CoQ10 is a component of the electron transport chain. It's part of the ubiquinone pool uh, communicating between complex one and complex three in the electron transport chain and the mitochondria uh, intermembrane. And so what you get with that, remember, if you have low levels of that, you could increase the amount of reactive oxygen because you're getting now a buildup of partially reduced forms of molecular oxygen because you're not carrying out the complete reduction of O2 to H2O, okay? So if they knew a little bit more about intermediary metabolism, they might have known that. All right, so after downregulation of the steroid desaturase 1, they saw a reduction in coenzyme Q10, Okay. And they're saying that maybe this is because it's triggering ferritosis. Now, one of the reasons they're getting this effect, right, is because you're getting the ferritonic event itself, which is going to then corrupt the membrane and then make the membrane leaky and then therefore synthesize higher levels of reactive oxygen, which will then intoxicate and destroy the ubiquitin pool. Right, the CoQ10 pool, you understand. So it's all this is, makes good logical biochemical sense. SCD1 uh, decrease triggers apoptosis. It does so by synthesizing higher levels of ceramide that have saturated fatty acids. I told you those are the kind that turn on the canonical PCD pathway known as apoptosis. Um, and that ferritosis triggered by depleting coenzyme Q10. And of course, they're not sure why that is. I just explained why. It's because when you make all those hydroperoxy fatty acids in the membrane, you corrupt the electron transport chain. And you're also going to then deplete the amount of coenzyme Q10 because it's going to degrade, uh, again, via oxidative metabolism. Okay? You're going to see less of it when you do the lipidomic analysis. So, and, and the, oxy, the uh, peroxidated forms of, of sterols are very difficult to keep in high enough concentration to be able to measure. Uh, it can be done, but you have to have a quencher for that phenomenon. They didn't use it in their, in their LC. So, so you're not going to pick it up on the detection via the mass spec. Now, blocking SCD1 sensitizes ovarian cells to the ferritosis inducers in vitro and in vivo. 
In fact, the effects of steroid desaturase 1 on lipid metabolism already suggested that the, its inhibition would potentiate cytotoxicity even when you induce varitosis externally. So when you pretreat ovarian cancer stem cells or outright ovarian tumor cells in culture with the two different um, steroid desaturase inhibitors, and you do it do a time sequence on it, and the purpose is to induce only minor toxicity and then assess sensitivity to RSL3 and arrestin, and, uh, and what those do is those induce ferritosis. So what you do is you're controlling, you're, you're titrating ferritosis against a background of decreasing desaturase one activity by doing short time sequences of the inhibition, right? So it's a two-component titration. So, when, so they pretreat the ovarian stem cancer cells and the ovarian tumor cells with those two inhibitors uh, of um, SCD1. And what do you think they find? Okay. They get sensitized cells to RSL3 and arrestin. RSL3 and arrestin, again, induce ferritosis. So they're sensitizing the cells to ferritosis after they inhibit steroid desaturase one because they're also increasing the amount of, yeah, palmitic and steric acid and association amid linked to the ceramide, which induces, first of all, apoptosis, right? So the combined treatment of the SCD1 inhibitors and the induction of ferritosis gives you a synergistic cytotoxic effect in uh, either in those pluripotent stem cells they created or in the ovarian cancer cells. So the decrease in viability in cells treated with the combination of the inhibitors for the enzyme, the, the, the saturous enzyme, and the inducer of fer ferritopsis, RSL3, what they obtained from that was an increased oxidation of membrane lipids. And of course, what's that going to do? It's going to induce ferritosis, as I just explained how. So even more, I mean, you block a blockade SCD1 using <laughs> small interfering RNA or in fact, short hairpin RNA, um, you see a sensitized cell population and when you add the ferritosis inducer RSL3, you indeed get the effect of an SCD1 inhibition on ferritosis sensitization. So you didn't use the inhibitors here. You used the siRNA, the short hairpin RNA, to pull out the transcript, to titrate down the transcript. And so it's showing you that it's the protein and the protein's activity that is really at play here. Okay, so that's a, that, these are all good control experiments. A similar augmentation with arrestin cytotoxicity, uh, as I just uh, explained to you with the RSL3, showed basically exactly the same thing. So then they tested the sensitivity of the ovarian cancer cell lines. Uh, two of them actually they used. Um, and these are representative of mesenchymal subtype of ovarian cancer. Now I told you that is the stage where metastasis starts to occur. And of course, what they did is they looked at those cells which are poised to go into metastasis, and they use ferritosis inducers, and they use SCD1 inhibitors. Both of those ovarian cells that are in the late mesenchymal cell transition state exhibited a very high response to ferritosis induction, and, uh, and of course, in, uh, coupled with 
pharmacological inhibition of the uh, desaturase. So what can we say? Ovarian cancer is diagnosed late. That is usually a really big problem. And it's because it, it goes indolent in a cult. People do not know that they have ovarian cancer, just like pancreatic cancer, unless they are tested. Okay, because it's, there's now there's not enough presentation. Often until it, the diagnosis, um, then you're ready for surgery. Just about. So that's why I said a lot of these disorders you're at you're at surgery, you're at you're at that, or you're perioperative. So what would be good is to generate some new pharmacotherapies. And that's what we're trying to talk here. So figuring out that ferritosis is the general mechanism of cell death in the ovarian cancer cell lineage like it was in the pancreatic when you wanted to completely inhibit oncogenesis and metastasis. Now you can see that multiple different cancers can be affected by, first of all, inhibiting Sterocodesaturase 1, uh, and secondarily by inducing ferritosis. Okay, so it's basically some good news to the pharmaceutical labs that are trying to come up with new, new products to be able to carry that out. And basically what it says that lipids, of course, are involved in multiple death pathways, something I've been hitting home on for years in lipid biochemistry courses, because lipids can act as both an initiator and a facilitator, as well as an inhibitor of various types of programmed cell death. So, for example, sphingosine 1-phosphate would act contrary to everything I just told you about ceramide and ceramide 1-phosphate. But at any rate, you can look at multiple types of programmed cell death, because indeed the lipids have a role in the individuation of PCDs. So you've got apoptosis, necrotosis, and ferritosis. Necrotosis is, again, a tissue uh, destruction that leads to a hyperinflammatory response, but it does not involve iron. Okay? And it's not necrosis, by the way. It's still a program to solve that. Now, lipid peroxidation is definitely central to ferritosis. We already explained why that is. And it looks like there's an interference with lipid homeostasis through the blockade of the SCD1, which is going to cause multiple changes in lipid composition and therefore lipid profile and therefore various forms of programmed cell death pathways. That's why you saw both apoptosis and ferritosis being um, induced when you inhibited SCD1, right? So you get lipid peroxidation and you also get the production of ceramides. Those two things are working together. Lipid peroxidation induces ferritosis. And then, of course, ceramide, especially with saturated fatty acid in the amide linkage, is going to generate canonical mitochondrial-based apoptosis, right? Um, and, of course, a decrease in coenzyme Q10 is going to be coincidental with a decrease in destruction, finally, of the electron transport chain, which is going to blow up the level of reactive oxygen and turn on ferritosis and, indeed, uh, necrotosis. You need a lot of reactive oxygen for both of those destructive pro-inflammatory program cell death pathways, right? So those are the two death pathways they really like to, to key in on. Uh, but apoptosis and ferritosis work quite well. Um, and this is definitely going to be something that we're going to see down the road. Now, there's one more thing to say, and I think I've got time for it. Gosh, I've got to get this thing because I don't want to do another entire lecture. Yes, I do. Okay. 
Stericoidesaturase 1 can be regulated multiple ways. And the synthesis not only of monounsaturated fatty acids, but also their utilization in complex lipid metabolism has to be considered. Now, I want you to think about this for tumor suppression. Think about the uh, checkpoint uh, cell cycle protein, P53. P53 actually suppresses the expression at the transcriptional level of stereocardiosaturase 1. That's right. So repression of that end of that transcript and therefore the enzyme probably is actually a component of tumor suppression of P53. Okay. And it does it by disabling the anti-ferrotonic function of SCD. Okay. That's an interesting process, right? So all of that is consistent with what we see in lung cancer, osteosarcomas, breast cancers. It seems that P53 cells are linked to ferritosis, and it's linked, again, by that SLC7A11. Now, remember what that protein was way back at the beginning of these lectures yesterday. That's the cysteine glutamate antiporter which is going to be useful for making cysteine-associated glutathione so that you get the activity of glutathione peroxidase, that's GPX4. The P53 uh, uh, role in this whole thing is a little bit more complicated, but it probably uh, induces ferritosis because it blocks other protein activity, and this other protein activity has to do with the dipeptidyl uh, protease inhibitor, dipeptidotransferase inhibitor. And that's another whole story I'm not going to talk about, but I'm just mentioning it now. Okay. So P53 has multiple roles. It also works with P21. And we talked a lot about this. We talked about tumor suppression also through the BAP1 moiety. 